a lot of B2B SaaS companies make the mistake of like just going super top of funnel because they see the numbers, they get excited. It looks super sexy. They're like, oh, okay, this keyword gets 20,000 searches a month. Oh, we're going after this. We're, we're. But if the intent isn't there, you can get a ton of traffic, but you're not going to get any demos. Hello and welcome to this episode of Confessions of a B2B Marketer. I am your host, Tom Hunt, and we have a big one today. We are talking to Lashe Lewis about this rather, let's say, unsexy topic. And I think in the next 30 minutes, we're going to completely transform this topic in your mind from something that maybe isn't that sexy or attractive or fun into something that is. I'm not going to say what it is. If you've seen the title of this episode, you probably know. But jump in, enjoy. Lache is an absolutely incredible speaker and is super passionate about this topic. Before we do that, let's have a quick shout out to Fame, the business that is creating, producing the show. It also happens to be in my business. We start and grow podcasts for B2B businesses. Let's jump into this episode right now. Lache, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I don't want to make you angry, but... The topic that we're going to cover today, very important. And from what I've learned from learning, from listening to recent podcast episodes with you, it can be super effective on revenue, but isn't necessarily that sexy or exciting. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. Well, I got to go back and forth on that one a little bit. It's sexy and exciting to me. To other people, not so much. I try to make it more fun and I try to gamify the process a little bit for people. But is it sexy in general? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was saying, because it can produce revenue faster than other strategies, I think we need to change this, uh, this image problem. And it's so funny, we haven't actually told the listeners what this is yet. So I'm going to announce it today with Lache. We're talking about bottom of the funnel, B2B content. Yes. I think we should just jump straight in. Like, why do you find this part of content marketing so sexy and exciting? I think one of the biggest reasons is because it's such a big differentiator. And it's funny because I don't put SEO anywhere in my messaging. I don't put it anywhere in my content. But in general, SEO is so commoditized. It's like you really have to stand out and be different in order to stand out, right? Like so many agencies and content marketers and freelance marketers talk about the same things. They're like, oh, on-page SEO. Oh, okay. Keyword search volume and this and that. A lot of the same things are repetitive. Nobody talks about how to actually drive real revenue from content marketing. So I seen that opening and said, okay, let's dive deep into right here. And then people just loved it. It's because it's different. It's fresh. It's a, a new perspective. So I think the, what makes it sexy to me is that I can show my value as a content marketer because the type of content I write is so closely tied to conversions and revenue. It makes me look like a rock star. So of course, naturally, I'm going to love to boost my ego a little bit. I'm kidding. But yeah, but honestly, like, I think that's the biggest differentiator that I, I'm not afraid to tie myself to a number where other people are like, oh, we're going to work on increasing your traffic by this much. And I don't worry about that. I worry about increasing inbound leads. That's what I worry about. And I might have to pull you up right there because I've actually heard you say recently that you're a good writer. You actually don't like it. So yeah. you're actually very good at having other people do the writing. Yes. So I hate writing. And again, like I am good at it. I have a lot of people tell me I'm good at it, but it's not my thing, right? So 
I'm more of a help you structure the bottom of funnel blog post and then teach writers how to fill it in. It's like, I feel like, because I started building affiliate websites when I was maybe like 16. And I feel like I've burnt myself out when it comes to the writing portion of it. But I'm like, I still want to do content marketing. I still like it. But I'm just like, okay, how can I position myself to be able to run that content function without doing any writing? It's like being the Uber of content marketing, right? Like produce a bunch of content, but I don't write any of it. I just advise teams on how to structure bottom of funnel content for maximum conversions. And again, we're going to have to jump into the affiliate websites when you're 16. So I assume this was like, had a computer, worked out how we can, or try to work out how we can make some cash, selling like completely random things through ranking on Google. Is that about right? That's about right. So back in the day, I would uh, build like these Amazon affiliate websites where it's like, you know, Amazon had like a little uh, affiliate program. They only gave maybe like two or 3% commission, depending on what category you were selling in. And that's where I really learned the skills of like building a website from scratch, not just a website, but having an idea in my head and being able to turn it into something concrete and not just something that's concrete, but it actually makes money. So what I do in B2B SaaS right now is I take the same methodologies I learned from building these websites and I apply it to B2B marketing. So the whole bottom of funnel thing, I would do that on my affiliate sites. And I think think the quickest ever gotten a sale from building a website from scratch is maybe about two weeks. And then that kind of like opened my brain. I'm like, oh, this bottom of funnel thing is like very interesting. And it just gave me a high seeing people come to my website and purchase something and me getting a commission from Amazon like that. It was like one of those high off life type of moments. So I'm like, okay, I need to do more of this right here because I love how I feel with this. And this is kind of an aside, but what which was the most lucrative niche that you worked in back in the day, if you're happy to share? Probably outdoor. I built one of these camping affiliate websites and I was selling like $150 to $500 tents. And I would just like, mind you, I've never been camping. I know nothing about outdoors. I love nature. I love taking walks, but not deep into the outdoor survival stuff. But I would just go on Amazon, just kind of like condense the review, put it on my website and just like have five different reviews of tents and people would actually come to the website and they would go to Amazon and buy the tent. And not only that, but they would buy like a flask or all these other things. But the way Amazon works is like the person is cookied. So it's like if they come in through your link, whatever they buy on Amazon, you'll get that commission for. So just to clarify, the content that was on the web page on your site was the reviews that you took from Amazon and I guess like rewrote. Pretty much. Yeah. Cause I've never had these products. I didn't know like, oh, this was and I'm modeling. And I can't remember the name of the website. I think it's like Wirecutter. And I was like modeling after them, but they would actually go and buy the products and review them. I'm like, okay, I can't do that. That's too much. But yeah, I would just like take the Amazon review and kind of like rejig it a little bit and put it on my site. And people would actually come and buy the thing. And it was amazing. I just was like, I love this. I mean, that's absolutely incredible because the margins on your business are Absolutely awesome because the time it takes you to write the article um, compared to them like buying and then testing the 10. I mean, maybe their business is more sustainable in the long term, but that's an incredible model. And so it makes sense with what you're saying at the start of this interview. You or your thing is tying content to revenue because that's how you started out in the game. So let's try and be more organized for this interview. And I'd love for you first to define what you mean as bottom of the final content. And then I'd love to walk through like the step-by-step process maybe that you go on when you bring on a new client that is not optimizing that to getting it 
driving revenue. Totally. So to me, bottom of funnel content just means where someone is mentally through the buyer's journey. So we talk about top of funnel that's very high level. A lot of what is topic, maybe some how to topic, just again, very high level. You're dealing with a person that doesn't really know they have a problem yet, and they probably can't put a name to it. And then as you start moving down the funnel and you get to bottom of funnel, this person is already hyper aware. They know they have a problem. They're actively looking for a solution. Now, all you have to do is position your product as the solution to their problems, and then you have them on the hook. And I think that's why I love bottom of funnel content so much because, and I tell people this all the time, it's like, the further you get up the funnel, the more objective the content is. And then as you move further down the funnel, the content becomes more subjective because you're trying to specifically push your product. So like if I could give like a live example, what is sales enablement? Super top of funnel. You can add your opinion into it and make it an opinionated piece, but it's more objective. It's only so many ways you can explain what sales enablement is versus best sales enablement software. It gets more subjective. And then as the content gets more subjective, you got to start pulling in people from other teams, like people from the product team, people from sales, people from CS to really dig in on this, to really touch on those pain points. And here's why people think that bottom of funnel a lot of times is like super unsexy because it's confusing because freelancers are taught to, and this was me, right? I'm not casting any shame. Like, Freelancers are taught to go to, they figure out what keyword they want to rank for. They type it into Google and then they look at the top 10 search results and try to compile all of that together and call that an article. That's not how bottom of funnel content is done. And it was a steep learning curve for me. And I was like, oh my God. So if I'm not getting the information from Google, where am I getting it from? And I just could not conceptualize and wrap my head around that. But where the information comes from is from your internal team. It comes from sales. It comes from CS. It comes from product. And that's how you craft bottom of funnel articles. Your most important company information does not sit in Google. It sits within your org. Nice. Here's a definition of bottom of funnel that I never heard of. It's the scale of objectivity to subjectivity. Yeah. That's one I'm now going to bank for our use. Would you say, okay, so to clarify the definition, it's basically the link it's like the thing they get to before they find your product if they're looking for a product like yours. Yes. That good definition. Yes. It's literally like the point right before conversion. Because then again, and I know we didn't get into this and I tend to go off on these tangents, but this is an important point. It's like bottom of funnel is that last point before conversion, which is one of the reasons it's so much easier to track than top of funnel content. Because let's say we're talking about B2B SaaS enterprise. Sales cycles could be anywhere from six to nine months plus. Imagine trying to track one person and every engagement and interaction they have with you for the next six to nine months plus. It's going to be a pain, right? Versus these bottom of funnel pieces where they come in, they see and read the content. It's positioned wonderfully. And then they click from there and sign up for a demo. Super easy to track. So I think that's one of the reasons why I love bottom of funnel content too. It just helps me be able to show my value as a content marketer. Because let's be real, it's like content marketers are a little bit more underappreciated than like sales and things like that. And I think that's where like this unspoken beef between sales and marketing happens. When in actuality, we all have the same quotas to hit. Why are we fighting? But sales are more closely tied to a number because people can go in and see, okay, win rate, close rate. You know what I mean? It's like 
But with marketing, it's just difficult to tie things back to a number. People look at marketing like this black box where you're just throwing things in and hoping something comes out when it's actually a lot more structured than that, especially when we get into like account-based marketing and things like that. Like, yeah. And again, I feel like that's where that unspoken beef between like marketing and sales come in because we're not valued as much as people that are more closely tied to numbers. I'm totally with you and I'm being converted to thinking the bottom of the funnel content is sexy, but let's see if we can get me all the way there. So case study then, you start working with P2P SaaS company. They have a relatively small marketing team and they think SEO is just top of funnel. And so they've got these pieces, they're getting traffic, but they're not really being tied to revenue. What are the first things that you look at with them in order to start building out the bottom of the funnel content? That's a great question. So the funny thing is, by the time people come to me, so just to preface this, like I spent a lot of time in my career doing a lot of convincing, like, oh, you should write around this keyword, even though it has 20 searches a month, the intent is super high. And they're like, oh, well, I don't know. It's like at this point, being a consultant, by the time people come to me, they've already screwed up enough where they're like, okay, this is not working. We have to figure something out. So when they come to me, they're like, oh, we're seeing, you know, year over year traffic increases, but we're not seeing any increases in leads. And I'm like, okay, that's from there. That's when I go onto the website and I explain to them, and I've been doing this for so long that I can look at a blog and within the first 10 seconds, tell where the gap is. So it's just like, and a lot of the time, the gap is just a bunch of top of funnel content, also a bunch of what I call company update style content. So it's like, oh, we just received our series A funding. It's like, People don't care, especially like people that are not already in your audience. They don't care about that. So a lot of B2B SaaS companies make the mistake of like just going super top of funnel because they see the numbers, they get excited. It looks super sexy. They're like, oh, okay, this keyword gets 20,000 searches a month. Oh, we're going after this. We're, we're. But if the intent isn't there, you can get a ton of traffic, but you're not going to get any demos. And it takes Usually when I work with VP of marketing professionals, they've already been in their role for like six months at least. That's given them enough time to figure out, okay, I've been trying to do this thing that everybody says works, top of funnel, search volume. It's not working. I've tried to work with an agency. It's not working, right? So at that point, they come to me and then that's when I kind of assess like the whole bottom of funnel thing. And a lot of the time they have no bottom of funnel content on the site. And if they do, it's really poorly written. So if I could just like touch on that real quick. So example, when I say like a bottom of funnel piece is poorly written, if you're writing an article about the best sales enablement software, there's no reason within that article, I should see what is sales enablement way too. It's like at that point, I'm bouncing off the article and I'm going to one that resonates with me. So I always tell people like lead with pain points because if somebody comes to an article and they're like bottom of funnel and you lead with pain points, you've got them on the hook. That's how you keep people engaged. And it's like, where do you get these pain points from? I'll tell you where you don't get it from. <laughs> you don't get it from Google, right? You get it from the sales team. That's the importance of the whole bottom of funnel methodology. And it's like, when I start working with companies, that's the first thing we go over. I'm like, okay, you don't have any bottom of funnel content on the site. And if you do, it's poorly written. Let's start there. This, I think, is a super powerful insight, right? Is instead of like even going to the keyword software to find the keywords or just getting them out of your head, yeah, you go to the people that know what all the problems are, totally. which is the sales team. So is that the first thing you do? Yeah, that's the first thing I do is just, so I have a dashboard that I work out of. So I built 
this dashboard in Notion. And really the dashboard was built from frustration because when I was a freelance writer, I spent more time researching than I did writing. And I was like, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so burnt out with the whole writing process. It's just like uh, 10, 12 years of doing the same thing. You get kind of get like bored and burnt out with it. But the sales team, even getting insight from them. So like jobs to be done style keywords come from the sales team. So for example, it's like how to achieve desired result. It's like the desired result is the pain point that the customer is going through. Again, where do you find this pain point? You go back to the sales team and talk to them. They'll let you know the most common pain points that they're hearing on calls and things like that. You use that as the basis of your keyword research. You don't, and it's funny because when I would do the affiliate websites, I actually did it backwards, but that was the learning curve. Again, like not getting the information from Amazon or from Google and things like that. It's just like talking to that internal team and then understanding the customer at a deep enough level where you can say, okay, somebody that's looking for sales enabling software is going to search this right here based on the pain point that I got from sales. It's all very data-driven. With that being said, I do think there should be some creative freedom in there, but it's very much data-driven for sure. Yeah. Got it. So we're using the sales, the objections and the problems they hear from sales to feed into our process for defining the keywords. We're going to look at volume. We're going to be creative. And let's say we get this list there. We got this list of 10 keywords that we think are going to be great for bottom of the funnel for this company. What What's next? So from there, again, like... In the Notion dashboard that I have, I have something called a bottom of funnel content brief. And I say this all the time, like half jokingly, half serious. Like it's the best brief in the world, specifically for bottom of funnel content. Because when you think about a content brief, you think about, oh, the regular brief, like, okay, the date, the URL slug, the audience, maybe the audience segment, like the target keyword. It's like very, very high level and basic. And it's like, You can't be high level and basic when you're writing bottom of funnel product-led content. You just can't do it. So the bottom of funnel content brief I've created is designed to extract pain points, match those pain points with feature benefits, and then match those feature benefits with features of the actual product. So the way that kind of aligns is after we're done filling in the bottom of funnel brief, we then plug that brief into a framework. So I've got maybe like, eight different frameworks between middle of funnel and bottom of funnel. And what we do is we just take those same core components, the pain points, the feature benefits, and the product features, and plug them into different frameworks. So again, it's like one thing that was difficult for me, again, was the writing. So I'm like, when I'm paired with a great writer, and here's another thing, another side tangent. Some of the best writers do not have an SEO background. Like they have a journalistic background. So when you can when you match someone up that has an SEO background like myself to someone with a journalistic background it's just the best blend ever. And I tell companies all the time it's like your next content writer is probably not from an SEO background. They're probably going to be from a journalistic background for sure because they journalists know how to write for people. Yes, that's it. It's like they know how to gather facts. And bottom of funnel content, again, super subjective, very matter of fact. It's not fluffy. And again, it's like people with an SEO background carry this preconceived notion of like, okay, I'm being judged. I'm being, judged is not the best word, but I can't think of like another word for this, but like I'm being graded 
on how quickly I can get this piece to rank, where it's like a journalistic style writer grades themselves on how engaging the piece is. And then here's the real kicker. I haven't built a backlink in years. Like even when I was building my affiliate sites, I didn't build backlinks to any of my, well, a few of them. But later on, since I've been working with like SaaS companies, I haven't built a single backlink for anybody because I realized like when you write really good content, a lot of the time you don't need any backlinks. And that's why I tell people write for the customer first and then write for the search engine second. Makes total sense. So quick question regarding the brief. Sure. Are we are people buying this? Do we link below? How do people get hold of the brief? Sure. So the brief is included in the Notion dashboard. So the Notion dashboard, you can look in the featured section of my LinkedIn profile. It's the first thing that's there. You can also go to authorityplug.com slash content hyphen dashboard and just grab it. Over 1,400 people have grabbed it since June. I've gotten so much great feedback on this. I'm consistently iterating on it. Um, I've had multiple people tell me, hey, you should be charging for this. But here's the thing. It's like, I believe in being an open source. I don't want to charge for everything. And I think the biggest thing I want to do is like empower content marketers to really lean into their strengths and not be afraid to, first of all, tie themselves to a number. Because honestly, our job as marketers is to bring the sales team more of the type of lead that's going to convert. And I think, and again, another tangent, I think this is the big misalignment between marketing and sales. It's just like, my job as a marketer is to bring the sales team more of the type of leads that are going to convert. In order to do that, I need to talk to the sales team so they can tell me what type of leads are coming in. So it's just like an information cycle. And when B2B SaaS companies specifically, like when their communication is broken down and siloed, that's the big problem. And what this dashboard does is it grabs people from every team and gets them to put all of their thoughts down. So if it's like any misalignment, we're going to catch it in the beginning. We're going to iron it out. And then that's when we move to the marketing side once we've achieved that marketing and sales alignment. Interesting. So it's almost like the secret to marketing success lies within the realms of the other departments, but that's a separate podcast. So, okay, we've got the template, we've got the briefs, we have the keywords, and I assume the next step is taking the brief, giving it to a writer who is an ex-journalist. Yeah, so the cool thing about my entire process is that it takes an average freelance writer and turns them into like a product-led rock star. So again, it's just like those frameworks. So once they fill in the brief, They'll plug the brief into the framework. And then how I work is we're just talking back and forth in Notion comments and I'm letting them know how the structure should be and how to include live examples. But all of this is plug and play. So all of the information that sales, CS, and product put in the left side of the dashboard, and when people see this, they'll understand better. All of that information is just plugged into the right side of the dashboard. That's why I call it like plug and play. That's why the name of the company is Authority Plug because everything is taken and plugged in from customer research and we plug it into the brief, we plug it into the frameworks. And by the time you plug it into the framework, you have an extremely high converting product-led piece of content. So one of the clients I was just working with used one of the frameworks and they were able to rank like one of their bottom of funnel blog posts within two weeks with no backlinks or anything. And it's like, this doesn't surprise me anymore. I've seen it over and over and over. And that's why I tell people, don't get hung up on the technicalities of SEO. Get hung up on your customer. 
right? Get hung up on their pain points, on their struggles. Get hung up on your product and how your product solves those pain points because the better you can communicate that through the content, the higher your content is going to convert. Wow. Yeah. Some wisdom here. Final step then. We've got the content release. It's starting to rank. Am I assuming then that it's going to be an iterative process. Every month, we're going to review, find new keywords, keep posting, improving, tweaking articles, and then do that forever. Totally. That's a great question, too. So what I like to tell companies, and people get on me sometimes because they're like, oh, you know, it's other part of the funnel besides bottom of funnel, besides best of and this and that. But it's like, I'm not telling people don't write around other parts of the funnel. I'm telling you start at the bottom and then work your way to the top. So what we do is we exhaust every bottom of funnel term we could possibly find. Once we do that, we move to middle of funnel. And then we start exhausting those jobs to be done style keywords, those template keywords, things like that, the high conversion drivers. Then we move, well, at that point, like if we exhaust bottom of funnel, middle of funnel, I don't do the top of funnel content because like that's not my zone of genius. Like, the bottom of funnel and the middle of funnel stuff is, but it's so much to be done there. It could take years to get through all of that. But in the process of that, the company is able to see inbound conversions. And not only that, but the way, and again, this is in the dashboard for anybody that wants to grab it. There's a section in the dashboard that's, I call it the 24-7 live reporting dashboard within the bigger dashboard. But essentially, it's a Looker Studio template. And what you do is you connect your GA4, and I'll say this, I just said this on another podcast, like GA4 is terrible, but you could connect GA4 to this Looker Studio. And then essentially what you do is I have a tool in it where you can choose what specific pages that you want to track conversions from. And then that's how I'm able to show companies my value specifically, because any piece I help the company write, I'll pull it up in the Looker Studio and say, look, this got five demos this month, or this got seven demos this month. And I think having something like that empowers marketers, again, because we're not closely tied to numbers like the sales team are, like the AEs are and things like that. So again, it's just another way to empower us and to show people like your work really does matter. You're not just, oh, this isolated part of the team. Like, no, we all need to be working together in order to achieve these goals. And I think like that's the light bulb moment teams have when I work with them. I'm like, oh, for example, Last week, I was on a call with an entire team and they were just talking amongst themselves. They're like, okay, so we have this customer information, but this person was like, whoa, I've never seen that before. What's that? So it's like, they were almost like, and I was just sitting back, like just looking because it was like, they were having this light bulb moment right on the call. And it's like a lot of the customer information your team needs, you already have, you're just not sharing it with them. So I think that's a big light bulb moment for companies too. just being able to get all of their thoughts down in one place. Next question. Have you seen your like consulting inquiries for you as a consultant like go through the roof since you launched a template? So, but what did make it go through the roof is specifically coining that bottom of funnel methodology. Well, I didn't coin it, right? It was always there, but like building it as a part of, I don't even want to say my identity, but like my service offering, like I have bottom of funnel in my headline. It's like once I changed that and people knew what that was, it was like that's when the floodgates opened. And I think the templates are super, super helpful. But if it wasn't for me communicating that value and you know what? I do take that back. You're right. 
when I started showing people the actual dashboard and how the customer information plugs into this part that plugs into that part, that's when the floodgates really started opening. And I think it's about like not being afraid to show your process and opening up that curtain for people so they can like understand like, wow, okay, I've never seen content marketing done like this because I have a lot of anxiety around like writing from a blank piece of paper. That was one of my big weaknesses. Like just so templates for me, they help me out. Just happens that they help a ton of other people out too. And people find them really valuable. And again, overdoing this for 14 years, you start to take note of some of the frameworks that work consistently. All I've done is just taken those frameworks that work very consistently and teaching teams how to plug their content into it. It's literally all it is. I'm at and again, like I try to make the process as brainless as possible. It's literally just taking customer information and plugging it into a brief. And then the brief plugs into the framework. And then once teams start to catch on to the frameworks, that's when they start to scale. I mean, there's got to be a SaaS product in here somewhere. It is. I'm glad you mentioned that. There is definitely a SaaS product in here. I think one thing I want to mention is like, there's a gap in the industry right now. So specifically, I have people ask me all the time, okay, so how do you do this with AI? Like, how can AI help you do this? And again, going back to my original comment, top of funnel is more objective. AI is awesome at writing objective content. Why? Because it's pulling it from different search engines and rewording it and spinning it or whatever, getting its own interpretation from it, and then it spits it back out. But as you start moving down the funnel and the content becomes subjective, it's hard to get AI to write subjective content because it's not knowledgeable on your customer. It's knowledgeable on search engines, whatever search engines it's pulling information from. It's like, what if there was an AI that was trained on your customer base and could create content based on your customer's pain points? That's what I'm working on right now. Makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if you haven't been in this industry super long, it's difficult to catch that nuance, but it's there for sure. And it's a big gap in the industry. And hopefully it's one that I plan to fill. <laughs> yeah. And that's how like the, that's why you're the person who would be able to create this product is because you have the 14 years experience. The other thing I'd like to know is that I often find that the best marketers have a background in like online marketing, like scrappy bootstrap stuff, because that's actually where I came from as well. And the reason why I think that is, is because the thing that you have to sell normally isn't that good. And so you have to get so good at marketing totally. it. You know what I mean? Totally. And so that's what I'm seeing here. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I tell people all the time, it's like a lot of SaaS products aren't differentiated. A lot of them do the same thing. It's all about how you connect the features to the pain points. It's like another software could have the same exact feature that you have but they don't effectively connect it to the customer's pain points. They're just, oh, me, 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 and we do this and we do that. But it's not about you. It's about the customer, right? So I think that's an important distinction to make too. It's like when you're writing your content, you're not writing it for you. You're writing it for them. You do want to talk about your product features and what you do, but always tie it back to a pain point. Always tie it to the goal that the person that you're talking to is trying to hit. If you can effectively do that, there's no way you're not going to convert. It's just inevitable. Lache, I think we made bottom of the funnel B2B SaaS content sexy and exciting. What do you think? I hope so. I hope people listen to this and they're like, whoa, this is fun. Like, this is awesome. Because again, it's about having fun, right? It's like, when I was a freelance writer, it was a drag. I was like, oh God, this is, I'm good at it, but I'm so bored. I'm so unfulfilled. And it's just like, 
making it fun. That's why I do like templates and visuals and frameworks because I want to make this process fun for people. And again, I want to empower content marketers and let them know like we do hold value just because we're not as closely tied to a number. We're more tied to, okay, how many pieces did you get out this month? Like, and God, another tangent. That's another thing. Another big misconception is that the more pieces you publish, the more leads you're going to get. When I work with teams, we run laps around bigger companies, just publishing three or four pieces a month because it's the quality, not the quantity. Well, we're definitely going to be linking to your LinkedIn profile below. We're also obviously going to be linking to the dashboard. Is there anything else we should link to? No, I think that's about it. When people grab the dashboard, they'll be put on the list. So for my list, I come out with these very in-depth frameworks and walk people through them and things like that. But I think, yeah, like, Just people can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always on there. I'm dropping gems every day. Again, I believe in making content marketing fun. So that's what I plan to do. And that's what I am happy to continue doing for sure. I know you're an online marketer because you refer to the list as the list. Ashe, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on and being so generous with your content marketing wisdom. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here and be talking to everyone. And again, I hope to inspire and empower someone. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Lache, for recording. Apologies if my audio wasn't awesome. I essentially went to this place that I'm working, but I didn't take my mic. So we had to do it with a laptop mic. Not ideal, especially for somebody who runs a podcast slash a podcast agency. On that note, Fame is sponsoring this episode. Thank you so much, Fame, for producing this show. Thanks to Lache. Super, super awesome episode about our and an awesome process for bottom of the funnel content for B2B. And of course, thanks to you for listening.